All right. Well, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, uh, very appropriate to celebrate the good news of the white rose, which indicates a new life in Christ, because today we're going to talk about the gospel and the changed lives as a result of people hearing and responding to the gospel message. Uh, we're going to take on the entire chapter of Acts 10 today. Can you believe it? Uh, we're going to try it, and uh, hopefully we'll done, be done by the end of the last service today. So I hope you brought your snacks. That might be good for you. Um, but anyway, I'm only going to read verses 34 through 48, and that's where we're going to hang out mostly today. But in preparation for reading that this morning, two things I want to tell you. The first is that the setting is Peter the Apostle in the home of Cornelius a Gentile, giving the good news message to Cornelius and his household. And as a result of it, the family, Cornelius, believes in Jesus and is saved. And that is really awesome. The second thing I want to tell you is that before we read this, we should pray. God, as we read this text and as we take time to reflect on the truths in it that are directly applicable to our lives, Holy Spirit, make clear to us how it is that you want us to live, what eyes you want us to have so that we could see others as you see them and share the love of Christ with those around us. Lead us through our time now in your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. You can read in your Bible or follow along on the screen. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know what God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. He is the one who the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter, were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? 
now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Now, according to Luke's historical narrative of the early church, which is what the book of Acts is, Acts chapter 10 is a turning point. It's a pivotal point in the advancement of the gospel. This chapter is one of the most important books in all of Acts or in the book of Acts, for it records the opening of the door of faith to the Gentiles. No longer is the gospel just for the Jews, for it is also for the Gentile. And here in Acts 10, God reveals his love for all of humanity to the apostle Peter. And he also changed Peter's heart towards the Gentile community so that Peter could see others the way that God sees them. For the first time, Peter understood that the gospel message that he was to be a witness of and that he was proclaiming was a message that he should not only bring to his own people, the Jews, but now he should bring to the Gentiles all over the world. As Peter's eyes were opened to the truth of God and God's love for all people and the need for the Jew and the Gentile to be redeemed by Jesus, Peter's heart was changed, as I said, so that Peter could now see others the way God sees them. And I hope this morning that you will begin the process of asking yourself the question, do I see others as God sees them? And if not, what areas of my life do I need to repent of the sin or make an adjustment to so that I can see people as God sees them? For God has no favorites. And we're going to learn all about that today. At Alexandria Covenant Church, we understand that our mission is to be a family of God who loves Jesus, who's becoming like Jesus, and who shares Jesus with the world. When I say that, I hope that in your mind you're replaying this as I speak it, that our mission is to love God, to love, uh, to, to become like Jesus, and, and to share Jesus with others, and that's how we essentially love other people. If we're going to be successful at accomplishing our mission, then we too, like Peter, have to see people as God sees them and be willing to share the gospel or the good news with all people, not just the people that we're comfortable with. See, Peter's message to Cornelius, to his family and to his friends, reveal two truths to us that we're going to look at today. The first truth is that God shows no favoritism for Jesus truly is Lord of all nations. And if we're going to be like Jesus and we're going to be like Peter who becomes our example, then we should imitate them. We need to knock down all the barriers that stand between us 
and the good news getting to others. The second truth is that everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven. And because that is a truth, it's a truth worth then proclaiming. So may we not be the hindrance between the good news of God reaching somebody and not reaching somebody. I want to give you a little context to the sermon that Peter preached to Cornelius that we read from chapter 10, verse 34, through the end of the chapter. And rather than reading all 33 verses that precede this, I want to tell you what happened. And I want to give you the setting. So there was two men in this story who received a vision from God. The first one was a Gentile named Cornelius. He happened to be a Roman centurion or a soldier who was overseeing other Roman soldiers. At the time, remember, Rome occupied Israel. Cornelius and his family lived in a place called Caesarea Maritime or Caesarea by the sea. As Cornelius was a God-fearing Gentile, what that means is that he was one who had an interest in God, the God of the Hebrew Bible, that he had interest in going to synagogue and he had interest in praying to the God of the Hebrews, that not only did he pray when they prayed, but he did the things that good Jews would do, like help the poor. And while he was helping the poor and praying one day, God heard his prayer and gave him a vision. And in the vision, Cornelius was told by an angel of God to send some of his men south to a place called Joppa to go and get a man named Peter and to tell Peter to come back to Caesarea so that he could give a message to Cornelius and to his family that he had. The next day, Peter was hungry, and as something was being prepared for him around noon, he went up to the rooftop to eat, or not to eat, but to pray, before he was going to eat. And as he was praying, he fell into a trance. And as he was in this trance, one of the things that happened is that Jesus showed up, and Peter saw this white sheet that was lowered by all four corners down from heaven. And as he looked into this white sheet, he saw both clean and unclean animals. And the message that Jesus said to him was, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter was like, ah, nope. Now, why would he say no? Because Peter was a, remember, a good Jew who's now a Christian? And good Jews had ceremonial cleanliness or a cleanness factor to them that allowed them to be in the presence of God and worship God at the temple. And he didn't want to be defiled by touching or eating anything that was unclean. But Jesus says to him in this vision to eat, to kill and eat three times. Peter is perplexed. He doesn't know what this means and what it's all about. And as he's perplexed, the voice spoke again. 
and said, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And about that time, the men who were sent to Joppa from Caesarea showed up asking for Peter to come to Caesarea to share the good news about what he had to tell Cornelius and his household. Peter took in these Gentiles. They spent the night together, and then they took off the next day to Joppa, or I'm sorry, from Joppa to Caesarea. Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me, why did you send for me? When Jesus was with his disciples and they didn't wash their hands before they eat, the, the religious leaders of the time, they, they would press Jesus like, why are you unclean? And remember what Jesus said? It's not what goes in your body from the outside that makes you unclean. It's what's on the inside that comes out that exposes whether or not you're clean. Purity of heart is what God is pursuing and seeking, and the purity of heart begins on the inside, and it's revealed as we talk and as we act and as we go about our daily lives. Peter asks, tell me, why did you send for me? Cornelius said, now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message that the Lord has given you. Two men, two visions, of which the Jew needed to go to the Gentile to bring good news so that the Gentile could be saved. Imagine if Peter remained prejudiced toward the Gentiles. Imagine if he was unwilling to budge and get uncomfortable and be obedient to what Jesus was asking him to do. Do you realize the effect that that would have on the gospel and the effect that that would have had on us even today who are Gentiles that are recipients of the gospel because Peter was faithful and obedient to Jesus saying, go to Cornelius and open the door so that the Gentiles can receive forgiveness of sin too. Mahatma Gandhi, you know him? One of the great political leaders of India, shares in his autobiography that in the student days, his student days in England, he was deeply touched by reading the Gospels and seriously considered becoming a convert to Christianity which seemed to offer a real solution to the caste system that divided the people of India. On Sunday, he attended church services and decided to ask the minister for enlightenment on salvation and on other doctrines. But when Gandhi entered the sanctuary, the ushers refused to give him a seat and suggested he go elsewhere to worship with his own people. 
He left and never came back. In his own words, if Christians have caste differences or a caste system, a division within themselves, I might as well remain Hindu. This future world leader read the New Testament and had even seriously considered Christianity. But his conclusion was, I like the New Testament. I like your Christianity, but I do not like your Christians. Is there anybody in your life that could say the same thing about you and your treatment towards them? Those whom we reject, those whom we scorn, those whom we are unwilling to associate with will also be excluded from Christ if this is how our Christian outreach and ministry will be conducted. One that is going to only welcome those who are like us. That digs a little deep, doesn't it? Speaking a little bit slower right now so that this can settle in and scratch you a little bit. But what a difference it can make when we see others like Jesus sees them. And when we treat others with the love and the grace and the respect that is truly due them. Peter is our example today of what it means to be an obedient witness for Jesus Christ and what it looks like when somebody who is obedient to Jesus brings the good news to those who need to hear it and how that good news can end in good results. If you're taking notes this morning, point number one is that God does not show favoritism for Jesus is Lord of all. And if Jesus is our example and Peter is our example, then we should imitate them in how we see others. Like Jesus, we should not show favoritism. Beginning in verse 34, we read, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Now, where do we pick up in the story is where Peter is now at Cornelius' house. And Cornelius had invited his friends and his neighbors and his family to come and to hear this message that Peter was going to bring that God had sent him to come and share with the Gentiles in Caesarea. This is where we pick up in, in the conversation and in, in Peter's uh, really uh, expressing and sharing of the gospel. He says, first of all, then Peter replied, I see clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter now understood for the very first time that Jesus Christ 
was for everyone, not just for the Jews who he had been proclaiming the gospel to up until this point. He realized that the good news that he had, the salvation, the the, the peace with God that he had experienced, and the life change that comes through knowing Jesus is offered to all people regardless of their race, their gender, their ethnicity, or even their social status. It's beginning to sink in, and Peter's beginning to realize something new. See, like Peter, we must believe that the good news of the gospel is for everyone and that it can actually change lives, that it does that, that Jesus can do what he promises and that it is our responsibility as Christians who are joining God in his mission to go into the world and to tell people the good news about Christ. Because in telling others the good news, it does have the ability to change people's lives. See, God welcomes all who want a relationship with him. But in welcoming all who want a relationship with him, he does so on his terms and not on ours. For if you want a relationship with God, it can't be the way you want it. It must be the way God wants it. To fear him describes really an attitude of belief. So when Luke writes that Peter talks about all those who fear him can have a relationship with him, what he's really expressing is that those who believe that Jesus is who he said he is and can do what he says he can do, those who believe the truth and the reality about Jesus, those who believe in him can actually have a relationship with him. And as a result of the relationship with him, he goes on to say that those who do what is right can also have a relationship with him. But having a relationship with God is not the result of us doing what is right. Doing what is right is the result of having a relationship with God. For those who do what is right express an outward evidence of a genuine faith or belief that already exists inside. So if you want to have a relationship with God, start a relationship with God, and live in relationship with God, we have to understand that it begins by belief in Jesus Christ And it is lived out through obedience to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. When I lived in North Dakota many years ago, I was part of a mission that eventually resulted in a church plant in a community called Cannonball on the Standing Rock Indian Reservation. In fact, Pastor Brian, a few years ago, took a group of high school students to Cannonball, North Dakota, on a mission trip, and they got to experience what Cannonball is all about. You see, the Cannonball mission, it actually began with an obedient servant of God named Dr. Dan Groover, 
who responded to God's call of him to go to Cannonball and share the good news of Jesus with that community. One Sunday morning in church, he attended the church that I was at. One Sunday morning, he was sitting uh, in his pew and God spoke to him. And what he said to Dan was, Dan, I want you to go to Cannonball and I want you to tell people about Jesus. And if Dan would tell you, he'd say, so I kind of had this thing like, when do you want me to go and how do you want me to do this? And he wanted all these things, right? And, and God never gave him that answer. But what God did say to him is, no, Dan, I want you to go today, this afternoon to Cannonball. So Dan was faithful and obedient to God's prompting, and he went to Cannonball. Shows up in Cannonball. At the time, Cannonball was a community of about less than 1,000 people. It was an absolute third world condition. No paved roads, no curbs, no gutter, no garbage. So Dan drove up and down the streets praying and talking to anybody he could about Jesus who would listen. Over time, several of us joined Dan and his wife, Jane, in going to Cannonball and just driving around trying to tell people about Jesus as we prayed for the community. Eventually, Dan discovered that there was an old abandoned trailer house on the outskirts of town that was overgrown with weeds. And so we made a path to the door and cleaned out the trailer that was still overgrown with weeds. And we started running around town, picking up anybody who would come with us to bring them back to this old abandoned trailer house to feed them and then to share Jesus with them. And so I would take the church bus and oftentimes youth students with me, and I would go up and down the streets, and at the end of the street corner, I'd open the door, and I'd just lay on the horn, till the whole community woke up to what was going on. And it was unbelievable. People would just come running and fill the bus, mostly kids, very few adults. But the irony for me was that they never asked who we were, where we were from, or what we were doing. They just got on the bus. And we took him to the trailer house and we fed him hamburgers and we told him about Jesus and then we would take him home. All because one man heard God's appeal and responded in obedience. Before we would go to Cannonball, we would alternate weeks. We would one week go to Hardee's and the next week to McDonald's because they would make between 50 and 100 hamburgers pack them in coolers, and that became kind of our nugget to feed the community so that we could give them Jesus. Today, there's a church in Cannonball called Teepee Wakan. They have a full-time pastor and his wife, Pastor Boots Marsh and Jackie who serve the Cannonball community faithfully. There's partners in mission and ministry that care about Cannonball and that are making a difference in people's lives. I was blessed to be a part of this mission. And while I went with a good news message that actually changed people's lives, it was my life that began to change as a result 
of being with the cannonball people. It was my life that God had to open my eyes up to the prejudices that I had, to the misconceptions and wrong views that I had of the Native American community. As I cared for them and I shared the gospel with them, they cared for me. And they gave me a new understanding of who they are and who, they, who, who God wants them to be. I learned that in Christ, there's no basis in the Christian life for discrimination against anybody. I like how one commentator put it. Prejudice or elitism on the lips of a believer is an obscenity, whether it be racial, national, cultural, or social. Listen to what James says in chapter 2, verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others. You know what Peter learned? He learned that God shows no favoritism. And I hope that we have learned that valuable lesson today as well. The second truth is that everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven In verses 37 to 43, Peter recounted several facts about Jesus that supported Jesus' own claim that he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And because Cornelius was a God-fearing Gentile who attended Jewish synagogue and who had familiarity with the Old Testament scriptures, it gave Peter a starting point in sharing the good news with them. Remember, when we share the good news with people, we have to find their starting point, not ours. And as Peter understood their starting point, with this in mind, he he really follows the gospel of Mark's outline in sharing the gospel with Cornelius and his family. And I want you to hear now what he has to say. Beginning in verse 37. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to judge all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven. 
If we take Peter's presentation of the gospel and we break it out into a simple outline, we recognize that he begins with the ministry of John the baptism in Jesus' life. And in that experience, the, the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus and gives him power to do ministry. And for the next three years, Jesus' ministry in Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem were a known reality to all of those in the region. Peter goes on then to talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the commissioning of Jesus' apostles to be messengers in the world that tell people about the fact of who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and that Jesus is not dead, for he is alive. What Peter did in sharing the gospel validated, authenticated the ministry of Jesus and his own message that I am the Savior, the Messiah, the one who can save people from their sins. As Peter shares the gospel, he fulfills his duty of opening the doors for the gospel to now go to the Gentile world. We're out of time, but I'm going to take more. Just a couple minutes, so hang with me. This is so important. In Matthew 16, Jesus was with his disciples in a different Caesarea, Philippi. And he says to them, who do people say I am? Remember Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, this was revealed to you by God, not by man. And then Jesus said to Peter, I call you the rock and on you will I give the keys to the kingdom and the kingdom will be open through you. By now, Peter had the opportunity to preach first to Jerusalem the gospel. And then throughout Judea, the gospel. The doors open to Jerusalem. The doors open to Judea. Peter preached the gospel first in Samaria. The door opened to Samaria. And now Peter's the first to preach to the Gentiles. It's the last door that gets open for the gospel to go into the world. Remember Acts 8, 1, 1, 8, 1, 8? You will be my witnesses beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth is the Gentile world. And now Peter takes the key and he unlocks the door so that all people throughout the entire world can hear and receive the good news of Jesus Christ and respond, and in doing so, receive eternal life. So what was the result? Here it is. Verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. And he did, and he taught them the reality of who Jesus is. 
our attitude as Christians towards those who are not like us has major implications, doesn't it? For I hope this morning you've been both challenged and encouraged to identify your prejudices and in ways that you are expressing elitism or discrimination towards those who are not like you and that you're willing to allow God to change your heart so that you can see others as God sees them. And in doing so, you're willing to bring the good news of the gospel to people. The good news message that says, for all who believe in Jesus Christ can have their sins forgiven and experience eternal life. That's the good news offered to you, offered to me, and offered to the whole entire world. And that is great. Amen? Let's pray. Yeah, we can celebrate the greatness of that. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation and peace with God that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. As a church, help us to set aside our differences so that we can freely go into the world sharing the good news about Jesus with all. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.